Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Scott Wurzbacher, and today I am so excited to talk with a kindred spirit about the magic of adventure travel. I have with me Kit Parks and the host of the Active Travel Adventures podcast. Her story might sound familiar. Kit, who has been an entrepreneur her whole life, came late to adventure. She discovered hiking and backpacking at age 50 and adventure travel at 56. Since 2017, she's gone all in on adventure travel, and the list of places she's been in a very short period of time is quite impressive, including almost 50 countries and all seven continents. Her adventure travels always have one thing in common, movement, and we'll get into that more in our time together. In 2017, Kit also felt a calling to share her adventures with others, leading her to start her podcast. It's a familiar story that resonates for me because it mirrors my own in so many ways. I'm so excited to share Kit's podcast and adventures with you all today, and I hope that together she and I can continue this work of inspiring others to get outside. Kit, welcome to the campfire. Well, thank you so much, Scott. It's a delight to be here and to meet you. That's what I love about podcasting. It, it brings kindred spirits together, like you said. I've met people from all over the world because of my podcast, as, as I'm sure you have. It does. It's so fun. I, I mean, I remember being in the boundary waters of Minnesota and just feeling this like just intense inspiration from the sun setting behind the conifers on the other side of a lake and the sky was pink and then we heard wolves in the background and it was just me and my family and there's uh, nothing else around us but wilderness and I just felt this like wholeness and with that wholeness was this feeling that I wanted to share this with other people and I know that's what happened to you too and I let's go right there can you talk about that exactly well I didn't even know about adventure travel to me adventures was something that athletes would do or special people would do. And just by fluke of circumstance, I got invited to, after I learned how to go backpacking, I wanted to do section hikes of the Appalachian Trail. And somebody met through there that was always every year doing the coolest hikes all over the world, mainly in South America, the highest pinnacles. And I, I just thought that athletes or special people did that. And one year, just at my annual Merry Christmas, you know what you're doing next year, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to Nicaragua. Why don't you come? I was like, me? What, how could I do that? And he said, no, I think you could do it. I said, if you think so. So I just impulsively said yes. And like a, a few weeks later, off I went to Nicaragua backpacking. And it was totally life-changing. I came, I mean, we, every day we're filthy. We didn't have a shower for days. Just when we finally did, we showered with our clothes on just to get rid of the mud and the, and the grit, not mud that was dry, but it was the most fun I think I had, had ever had. And through that trip, I met a gentleman by the name of Jamie, who a few months later to celebrate his 40th birthday in Scotland, he was Scottish, said that he was going to have a hiking uh, birthday party. Who wanted to go? I was like, yeah, I'll go. How often do you get to go to Scotland with some Scots? <laughs> and I was like, I can't justify going to Scotland for three days. There must be something I can do. And so Jamie lived in Glasgow. The party was in Fort William. There's the, the Scotland's most famous 
long distance trail, the West Highland Way goes from right outside Glasgow all the way there. I was like, well, shoot, I'm just going to walk to the birthday party. And that's on that walk, which was solo. I was like, oh my God, this is just amazing. What a great way to see a country. And I just got hooked. I was like, if I didn't know about this, that normal people like me could do this, other people must not know about it. By the way, you're going to walk to a birthday party. How long did it take to walk to the birthday party? About a week. It was around 100 miles. I also learned about walking holidays. They can move your luggage. I didn't have to backpack it, although some people do. They have transport services. And so I actually had hired a company. They made my lodging for me, which is very important on some of these places because the villages are so small. You want to make sure there is a room at the end when you get there. And my luggage was there when I got there. And it was just easy peasy. All I had to do was walk. Yeah, this I, I love this story so much. So like, it sounds like you you really kind of got the bug in Nicaragua. But I know we you and I had a chance to talk before we, we're speaking now. And uh, you kind of gave me a little bit of background on some of the buildup. But a lot of this started when you turned 50. And I'm just curious if that was like a transition point, or if it just sort of happened naturally, like what, what was the significance of turning 50 in this? When I turned 50, the one new thing I did for me is, and just to backtrack, a couple of years before that, I had closed down, a, I was a wholesale plant grower, and I was anchored to that for like 14 years almost. And so I had finally just started to travel again because I was able to leave the farm. And so in 2008, I started traveling. And then in, for 2010, for my 50th, I decided to do a sprint triathlon, even though I didn't run, I didn't bike, I didn't swim, I didn't do any of those things. But I was like, I can figure that out. And so I did that just as like, uh, I'm not dead yet. You know, that's how I felt. I was like, I'm going to show that 50, you're not dead. And that went pretty well. Now, you know, the goal was just not to embarrass myself. And that came out fine. And then by just fluke, I'm, I'm a big reader, just wandering through the library stacks one day, I saw an end cap with a book on the history of the Appalachian Trail. And mind you, this is before the book, uh, before a walk in the woods movie yeah. and wild had come out. And it was, a, it was a, a segment of society I knew nothing about, you know, to me, woods were big, dark, scary places, best seen from the safety of a car, you know, it was not something I'd ever gone in the woods, never my whole life. And I read the book and I was like, my God, this trail is amazing. People walk the whole thing. That's incredible. And it was in my home state of North Carolina at the time. And I just got the bug and started reading about it. And I was like, this is incredible. I think I'd like to do the pretty parts. I'd, I've never had the desire to through hike. I don't want to give up five months of my life. But I end up going to the Appalachian Trail Institute, which is a, a school that teaches you how to through hike the Appalachian Trail, just so I could learn to section hike. I just wanted as much information as I could on this yeah. very scary new hobby I was about to pick up. And that's where I met John, who invited me to the Nicaragua a few years later. And just one thing led to another. And I just fell in love with the outdoors and how it's nourishing. It, it gives you your soul back. And it just, it, that in and of itself was life-changing to me. And then when I combined that with my love of travel, now that I was free, that I could do stuff, my whole world just changed in such a, a wonderful way. You just said it gives you your soul back. That, that, that connected with me. Can you, can you talk about that? Well, don't you feel Scott, when you're out, when you're in the boundary waters, don't you feel full? There's a fullness yes. and the weight of the world. I remember specifically when, you know, there's certain life-changing events. One of them was my first backpacking on the AT for two weeks. Everything I needed was on my back. And I had just spent 
two years remodeling my dream home where everything I wanted was in this house. And I got back and I was like, everything I needed was on my back. What do I need this big house for? What do I need? I'm a slave to this house. And unfortunately, my husband got sick and unfortunately died a few years later. But it wasn't long before I sold that big house and just downsized so that I had more time for life instead of being a slave to my stuff. I mean, just to kind of connect those, I got my soul back. Is it, is it this, the stuff that takes our soul? It often does. Like I said, I, I was a slave to my home. My, I love to garden. I'm obviously yeah. a plant nut and I have to always try to rein myself back in because plants have needs. They die. And you know, when you go on a trip, somebody has got to take care of the plants. Same with pets, you know, all those kinds of things are, are anchors in your life. And it was very freeing for me in 2020. I sold my business, sold my house, just went on the road. And that's one reason I was able to do so much traveling is because I didn't have to worry about the stuff. Yeah. And uh, we talked a little bit yesterday um, on our first call about anchoring. And I want to, I want to come back to that. I want to stick with the Appalachian trail for a second. Like you just happened to pick up this book on the Appalachian just trail. Random, just random. I mean, it, was it random? It had a pretty picture on the front. It was pretty. It was on the end cap, Scott. It looked pretty. And I picked it up and I, and I, I just I was like, well, that, it was beautiful. The photos in the book were beautiful. Was, and like I said, I, I tend to be a person that gets fixated on things. Most of the businesses I started in the past were hobbies. Yeah. I was like, and I would just make a little business out of them. And that Appalachian Trail became my hobby. I mean, it, it became an obsession to learn how to hike, to learn how to backpack. I didn't, I showed up for this backpack conditioning meetup group with a book bag because I didn't know what a backpack was. And so I <laughs> borrowed a book bag from my neighbor because I, I didn't even know what a backpack was. It, it was ridiculous, the stuff I didn't know, but the people were so kind. They didn't laugh at me when I told them I was going to learn how to backpack when I literally showed up with a book bag. I love it. And then what's cool is you read this book, you dove all in on the research, and then you got out on the trail. And you've spent some time, I mean, you know, two weeks, you're, you've downplayed two weeks on the trail, but most people haven't spent two weeks. I don't think I've ever spent two weeks out on a trail before. All my adventures have been, you know, shorter time. Like two weeks is a, is a good, strong start. And that, and that kind of gave you the foundation to be able to say yes when you got invited on the Nicaragua trip. That, yes. And I thought it would be long enough that I would actually feel what backpacking is like. Prior to that, I was just doing day hikes. I did two weekend backpacking trips. Uh, one was an overnight or one was a two nights. And then I just went all in and it was fantastic, but I was so overtrained because I was so scared. I just trained, trained, trained. In fact, they nicknamed me Xena, like the warrior princess, because <laughs> I could just charge up the mountains and my girlfriends hadn't trained as hard as I had. And that was the strongest fittest I've ever been in my whole life. Probably will never see it again. But in order to compensate for my ignorance, I just tried to make up for it in preparation. Yeah. And, and so like you did have this kind of pre preparatory period on the Appalachian trail, but in talking with you, it sounds like Nicaragua was, there was a, a, a switch that flipped there that like, that seemed like a transition moment where it was like, wow, like I'm all in on this adventure stuff. For I'm wondering sure. if you can talk about Nicaragua and, and what happened. So I went, like I said, John, I really didn't know that well outside of this five day class in 2011, I think it was, this was 2017. So six years later, hadn't seen him since. It was just a once a year email. So I went with his group of guy friends. One of the girls there was the daughter of one of the guys. 
And these guys have been hiking once a year on these trips for, I don't know, a decade or more. So at first I was like, I, I hope I'm not in over my head because these guys were hardcore. The good thing I was like 10 years younger than most of them, which I thought was a, a help. And within a couple of days, they were like my brothers, even though it got a little pure all sometime with, you know, they're, they're away from the wives on their once a year, you know, trip out <laughs> in the woods. And um, no, it was just fantastic. And I had learned from backpacking, it's okay to get dirty and sweaty. And I have a photo, I don't even mind sharing. I think it's a hoot of, it was three days with no bath. We had just surfed down a uh, dormant volcano. So it's a Cerro Negro, which is just a jet black scree covered volcano and you get this board that you have hauled up to the top of the volcano and you sit on this board and just slide down I don't know how far it is it's got to be a half a mile at least and you just get covered in in volcanic ash and then the wind I couldn't even comb my hair and so I just tied it up in a bandana and I looked ridiculous but (laughs) I had so much fun I would in a heartbeat do that again Hey everyone, it's Scott here. Did you know that the members of my real estate team, W Realty Group, are listening to their own voices that call to adventure by setting big goals? Some of those goals include planning trips to Bali and the Kingdom of Bhutan, buying investment homes and running the Chicago Marathon. At W Realty Group, we support and encourage these big goals and wanna help turn them into reality. We're currently looking to add new members to the team. If you know a great real estate agent in the Charlotte, North Carolina area that would benefit from being part of our team, please send a text, an email, or give me a call. And know that when you support W Realty Group, you're also supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening. Were there moments on that trip that you recall today that kind of created the fuel for what comes next in your life in in terms of this whole movement towards more and more adventure. When we climbed to the top of uh, San Cristobal, that's Nicaragua's highest volcano. And I had never seen anything like that before because you are now on the highest peak of a country and in the mountains. And you just looked at this 360 view that was just unbelievably gorgeous and stark and, and magnificent. And I was like, how have I not known about this my whole life that you could do stuff like this? I'd learned from backpacking that sometimes the only way to see the pretty things is to hike there or to get there because there's no roads there. And But still, I don't think I knew then that there were ways I could do this by myself. I, it wasn't until I discovered the walking holidays and mm-hmm. everything is like a little baby steps. I've learned some more, learned some more. And then even through the podcast you know, you meet people and you hear about their adventures and you're like, Oh God, I gotta, I gotta do that. You know, if, if you ask me my favorite trips, a lot of them came from my listeners. I, I would interview them. I was like, put that in the list. Got to do that one, you know, and, and our people I meet, you know, I call it like a tangled slinky. So I met John at the Institute and at the camping at Nicaragua, I meet Jamie from Scotland on the West Highland way. I meet Simon who lives in England. And so I met up with he and his girlfriend the following year when I did the Cotswold way. And it just, it just keeps going on and on and on that, you know, I'm, I'm meeting people several steps further down via trips that I never would have met had I not met the first person, you know, umpteen years ago. Yeah. You called it a tangled slinky. Like, I, like, a, yeah, cause it's all, <laughs> and now, so, so I went on uh, this past spring, I did the uh, half of the coast to coast in England with somebody I met in Antarctica last December, we hooked up with my friend, um, Simon from the Cotswold way from 20, 
18, I said, now they're friends. And previously I had introduced that same Antarctica person to Jamie from Scotland that I met in Nicaragua. I mean, it's just, it's just been amazing. So now they're all friends. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the, the the idea of the tangled slinky. I, I call it synchronicity. It's like all these different things that kind of come together that shape what comes next. And I think right. that's the beauty of really, that's the beauty of just like showing up for life. Right. Right. For sure. Like, for sure. Stuff happens in, in crazy places. I wonder just for a minute, because you created this picture for me at the top of that peak in Nicaragua. Can you describe what that feeling felt like? A, I couldn't believe that this was Kit Parks doing this. You know, you know, who was this person that was on this volcano? I mean, that was so contrary to my normal life of cleaning out mobile homes. I was a mobile home park queen at the time. And just, it's ridiculous. And I was euphoric that A, my body was able to do it. I had met some great new friends that I've never would have met in my real life and have become lifelong friends. We still have reunions. I just saw a new window into what my life could be like. And why was I just focusing on do every day, doing the same, not, not the same thing every day, but the same kinds of things every day. And I just had a desire to do more and have more fun in my life and more challenge. Yeah, I love um, on many of the episodes in this podcast, I've spoke about the word awe. And the definition that I like the most is a reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. And I'm curious, it sounds like what you're describing at the top of that mountain was a feeling of awe. Definitely. And and gratitude to be able to be there and to see that, to have all of the above. I've always loved kind of pushing myself outside my comfort zone. I like the, the, that I get proud of myself and there's something that's kind of cool about being a little twitchy and making yourself do it anyway. And I like doing that. Yeah. And certainly Nicaragua fit that boat. Yeah. So, I mean, so you go from Nicaragua, then you take this two week walk to a birthday party. Um, and then this life of adventure ensues starting in 2017, it's now 2023. So in six years, you've gotten to almost 50 countries and all seven continents. I'm just curious, like, what were a couple of your most notable adventures that you've taken? I would say if I had to pick two trips that I would love to repeat or that I always recommend, it, New Zealand was, mm. which I did in 2018. I did uh, Adventures of the North and the South Island. Unbelievable. It was always so much higher on my list of any number two. Unfortunately, Antarctica last, last December bumped them off the list, but two of them just amazing, amazing, the landscape, the people, the trails, the just mind blowing, mind blowing. New Zealand's on my list for sure. I absolutely will get to New Zealand at some point. Talk to me before you go or go make sure you, you study my, the itinerary, what I did. We hiked, we, I went over a 21 foot waterfall and a raft. What? It's the highest navigable waterfall in the world. And it's safe because you go in this huge pool. And we the day before we went and we looked at it and because it wasn't on the itinerary, but we were fast hikers. So we were finishing each day and we had a little group of four. And so we went and looked at it. I was like, yeah, we we want to try it. And I love to raft anyway. And so nobody went out of the raft when we watched. So the next day I'm in the front of the raft and Bill is also this other guy, Bill is in the front. We get sloshed out of the raft. When we, because we go under the other people, they have a cameraman taking photos of you. They're high fiving and celebrating. They don't notice that we're gone. And you see 
Bill's underwater with his raft, his oars hanging out of the air and me clinging to the side. And oh my God, I would have done it again. It was so much fun. Just a wonderful trip. It sounds amazing. And you're, and you're, uh, I'm not sensing a huge amount of fear on that one. You said it was no, oh, no, like, no. I'm terrified. <laughs> okay. So tell me about that. Don't let me about con you. 20, 21 foot waterfall. Like that's, yeah. you yeah, don't have I'm, time though. You don't have time. You know, we pulled over and like, all right, we had, he taught us how to brace ourselves in the raft. And like I said, you couldn't really get hurt. It would be a really fluke accident and you have a life preserver on a helmet on all that. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing really to hit, uh, you know, you get sloshed out and it, it was easy. It was fun. And the photo of Bill with the, with the oar in the air is worth every bit of it. Um, but no, it's, I don't do things that I think I can die from. I don't do it. You know, when I was on the AT, we were doing, uh, I think it's called wildcat pass 30 pound backpack windy said, Nope, not my day to die. Cause the exposure, if, if the wind caught my pack, I would die. I don't do stuff like that. There was yeah. a ski lift. I took the ski lift down. So I don't, I'll do things that seem scary, but they're not deadly. If that makes yep. sense. It, that makes total sense. I yeah. love it. Kit, you've got a ton of adventures that you've done personally, but you've also got a great podcast where you talk to other people that have done incredible adventures that have inspired people to go to take those next steps. Um, I would love to get into the history of that podcast and how that came to be. Cause it seems like you've, kind of taken on this life of adventure and done the podcast in parallel. It seems like they've kind of grown together. They started together and have grown together since 2017. Can you take us back to the beginning when, when the podcast started? Sure. So when I got back from Scotland from doing the West Highway walk to the birthday party, I was already a podcast addict. I worked by myself all day long, work from home. And so I listened to podcasts when I was doing maintenance on the rentals. And I have throughout, since my mid-20s, started little businesses or hobby things based on my interest. And I had gotten the adventure travel bug. I wanted to share the word. There had to be others that, like me that had no idea that you could travel this way. I didn't even know there's national parks in other countries. I mean, you could not have been more ignorant or out of touch of this whole world than I was. And I decided, uh, I looked around, I couldn't find a podcast that was geared towards regular people like me. You know, you can see ones where they're, you know, they bike around the world and, you know, they do these incredible feats, which are wonderful and inspirational, but that's not something I can do and not something I aspire to do. Mm -hmm. And so I decided I would just start my own. And I actually got interviewed from Jason from Zero to Travel. And I had just written him a comment. The last state he hadn't been to was Alaska. And so he wrote back. He said, hey, can I interview you about this inexpensive way that you got to see Alaska? And I said, sure. And then I just blurted out, oh, and by the way, I'm starting a podcast. Do you mind holding off until I start it? And he said, sure, no problem. When are you starting? I was like, September. And I was like, okay, now I'm committed. <laughs> so that's how <laughs> I probably never would have done it had Jason not interviewed because now I had a deadline. I would have found a thousand reasons why it wasn't quite ready yet. And then once I started, I learned more, you know, because again, I was still pretty ignorant and I kind of learned along with the show and from my guests. And then I felt like I had to be an example. So we kept taking baby steps myself on my travels and, you know, do my first solo trip, do my first, this trip you're doing, you know, and just, you know, okay. So I've never done a a biking trip. Let's do one of those. Let me, and now I interviewed somebody about doing a horseback riding trip around Ireland. It's like, that sounds like a lot of fun. I've been on a horse, but do I horseback ride? No. 
am I going to take a trip? Yes. So I'll just pick one that's geared towards people that don't horseback ride. They go all over the world. Is it fair to say that you are inspired by your guests? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And it's a, it's a mutual thing. I think people are inspired by the stories that you're sharing, and then you get inspired by the stories that they're sharing and want to further your adventure. I know that that's been certainly the case for me. Yeah. And, and they become my friends. I've traveled with several of my listeners. I love that so much. So I asked you, um, what were some of your favorite adventures? What are some of your favorite adventures that your guests have shared? I would say that the, the Machu Picchu, mm. there's a husband and wife. So they, they had gone and they had done oh, the Mont Blanc, which is still on my list. And then Harry, I interviewed Linda for Mont Blanc and Harry, her husband for Machu Picchu. And I was like, Ooh, I got to do that. Did that last year. I interviewed Rose about doing the Camino Primitivo, which is the original El Camino way. And it turns out that's from Oviedo. That's where I was an exchange student in 20, when I was 17 years old, I was like, well, shoot, I'm going to do that. So I did that last May. Uh, what else did I do? The Dolomites, Annie's Dolomites. She had been all over the world on adventures. That was her favorite, you know, perfect trip of, adventure, food, culture. I was like, got to do that. Did that mm, two years ago. Yeah. So every time I interview them, it ends up on my own list eventually. So when people listen to your podcast, they are going to hear stories from your guests, but I assume they're also going to hear your stories of your own personal adventures. Certainly. Definitely. Yes. Can you just talk a little bit for, for my listeners about what they're going to find when they come visit your podcast? So what I try to do Scott is to reveal what this particular adventure entails so they can see, is it a good fit for them? Mm -hmm. So we will talk about how hard it is. How, when's the good time to go? What are you going to eat? What do you need to wear? What was something I did right? What was something I did wrong from packing the gal today? You know, she had a great tip about how to keep her phone from not flying off when she was on a horseback ride. And, you know, little things like that, that you wouldn't know. So you feel more comfortable doing something that's outside of your comfort zone. You, you have these little um, bumpers, like at a, at a bowling alley that you feel like, okay, yeah, all right. I've got a little bit of confidence. So I want to give people the confidence to get out there and just do it. And I, I teach them something I learned when I was getting certified to teach English as a second language is to plus one to, to try to just stretch a little bit further than your comfort zone, what you already know. And I try to do it with myself and I try to encourage others on the show to do that. And I get emails from people that they are, and that just makes me want to keep doing it more. Yeah. I love this. Um, and so with the people that you interview, I'm curious if you find any sort of common denominators around the fuel behind the desire to travel, like are there any kind of common themes that come out in terms of why people choose the trip that they go on? I think that the people that choose adventure travel, first of all, they're always cool people. I've yet to meet one person I have not liked. I They've agree. already, they're very chill. They roll with the punches. They're, they're not high maintenance. When things go wrong, they work around it and you build up the resilience by, I, I, they probably work hand in hand. Resilient people choose this kind of thing because things are going to go wrong sometimes, but also you become more resilient as uh, the gal I interviewed for Patagonia, hard day hike. They had to take a boat back to the start. Too windy in the lake, couldn't do it. They had to walk eight miles after they already finished, they thought the day. You know, she's like, yes, yeah, some adult beverages were 
taken after the end of that unnecessary eight, you know, unexpected eight miles, but they laughed about it. It's a fun story. Adventure travel builds this backbone in you and this resilience in you. And so I, I find people are very strong. They get very proud of themselves for achieving it, whatever the, the thing may be, particularly if they do something they've never done before and step outside their comfort zone, they get super proud. Do you think that some of these things that we find in adventure travel that stretch us, that cause us to go outside of our comfort zones, do you think that people somehow, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, find that those things are missing from their life and that adventure travel gives that to them? In other words, do, do people think life is too easy and I need to go do something hard? I don't know that I've ever thought of it in those terms, but it certainly makes sense mm. that if life is too predictable, that going on an adventure is sure going to shake things up a little bit. <laughs> and it's going to make your life a lot more fun for sure. Yeah. And give you something on those boring days to remember that's a benefit of travel anyway, is, is you get to look forward to it. And also you get to look backwards. And, and so you get three, three joys out of one trip. Yeah. The, the past, present, future. Totally. And um, on your website, you know, it's a great, great website, very informative and obviously has links to the, to the podcast, but you've, you mentioned in a couple of places on there that in the type of travel that you like to do, there's always one common denominator and that is you have to move. And I just wonder if we can talk a little bit about the importance of movement. Sure. Like, so I tell people, and I focus on adventure travel, not adventure as in the scary things, but in things that you have to physically use your body for the adventure, your hiking, your biking, your paddling, sometimes horseback riding, sometimes a combination of all the above throughout the course of your trip. But I, I think when you do an adventure travel trip that you become more part of whatever the culture of the destination is. You're not in a bus looking out, taking a picture, getting back in the bus and moving on. Like uh, one of my guests once said, it's, it's like traveling instead of being outside the fishbowl looking in, you're in the fishbowl, you're with the people, you are part of the culture. When I was on the Cotswold way, I'm talking to people out walking their dogs that lived there. When they got home, they mentioned the crazy American girl out walking in the rain on the way to this party or that, you know, so, it's a two-way street. You're not just the tourist. You are part of the local's life just as much as they become part of your day that day. And you can't get that from a typical tour. Yeah. You mentioned that that um, quote that somebody gave you, uh, I think, while you were hiking, but this idea that we don't want to be outside the fishbowl looking in. We want to actually be in the fishbowl. And that's, I love this. This is like this idea of you know, it really experiencing life, not just, not just reading about it, not just studying it, but really getting inside and, and doing it. It's amazing. Kit, you've always been an entrepreneur. And uh, even before you caught the adventure bug, you were an, an entrepreneur. I just wonder if you could share just briefly some of your pre-adventure entrepreneurial experiences. Sure. So I did the corporate thing for the first five years of my post college life, Black & Decker, Hamilton Beach, marketing and sales things. I love selling. I'll, I'll always be in sales and marketing or something till the day I die, but I wasn't really a good fit for corporate. So in my mid-20s, I set out on my own. I don't even remember what the first business, first couple businesses failed, all silly little things as I was trying to learn things. And I, I would get fixated on whatever the new hobby was. So when I built a pond in my backyard, I started a pond building business, did that for a few years. And, you know, just, so I would just do, I'd call it, you know, kill something, drag it home to eat, you know? And, and when I 
lost interest in whatever that was, I'd start another one. I got totally fixated on plants after I bought my first house. And my beloved late husband, one day I went in and I was like, hey, can we buy a farm? I want to start a nursery. And I, again, I just love plants and didn't know about the difference between annuals and perennials. I was like, I'll just figure it out. And we bought a farm. And sure enough, it ended up being a great business that I adored. I loved. I learned to be a grower. And uh, we had Eastern North Carolina's a, a sweet little wholesale business there for many, many years that fed us pretty decently. And um, then, but it's a very physical job. We're getting older. We're like, what are we going to do when we can't do the nursery anymore? Because you are just lugging plants all day long. It's heavy, hard, dirty work. And we had all this land from the farm. And so we said, okay, why don't we subdivide it? We'll sell it. That'll give us some money. And so we subdivided, it, sold the first lot. What are we going to do? We run out of land. And so we said, ooh. And I had previously managed rentals for my uh, brother-in-law. And mm -hmm. so we decided, oh, let's stick some double wides out there. And we bought double wides beginning of 20, 2002 and through 2005, which, as you'll recall, was right before the housing crunch. It hit the mobile home market first. And so we were buying them at fire sale prices, total pure luck on our part. And so that's how I ended up becoming a mobile home park queen. And I, it was a great business. We built, you know, a neighborhood we were proud of. Everybody had a like an acre of land and a fenced yard. And we had great landscaping because I had all the plants in the world. And was, we were very proud of it. And, um, yeah, so we did that. Till I sold the business in 2020. Yeah. And you're speaking to the real estate investor in me right yeah. now because I've got that piece as well. And I, and I love that. So one thing we talked about yesterday that I found really interesting when you were talking about the nursery and you were talking about the rental business, you said that you felt anchored in those businesses and, yes. and um, connecting that back to this, um, this idea that, you know, age 50, you discovered, rediscovered travel, age 56, you discovered adventure travel. And prior to that, it wasn't even really a thought for you because you felt anchored to these businesses. And I guess I'm just wondering now, like looking back, like if you have any reflections on that sort of that sense of anchoring. Well, the anchoring in mostly with the nursery, because when they, anytime we left plants died, no matter how many times we tried to train people to look after the business while we were gone. So it was just in my best interest to stay put. Also, for some reason, I thought you only travel when you were retired. You know, I just, you know, and I had a little savings bucket for travel because I, I had traveled when I was younger. My father worked for Pan Am. So we got to do some great trips when I was young. And then that just came to a stop. I was a workaholic. I never took vacation ever. I, even when I had paid vacation at work with the corporate, never took them. I just always worked, worked, worked. And it was just something left for another day. Although my parents always warned me, people that wait, you know, by the time they have the time and the money, they don't have the body. So if there's something you want to do, but at the time I didn't do anything adventurous of what difference did it make if I took bus tours, who cares? But uh, looking back, how silly, particularly since I found out travel doesn't have to be expensive. That was a complete surprise to me. I learned that from two gals hitchhiking in Costa Rica in their bikinis. And we had a car and we pulled over and said, like, get in this car. What do you think you're doing? And we yelled at them and <laughs> took them to the laundry, I took them to the grocery store and said, don't ever hitchhike in a bathing suit again. <laughs> so, and, but they were grad students from the U S just backpacking Central America for the summer vacation and staying in hostels. I was like, you can do that. I didn't know adults could do stuff like that. And I, there's no way my husband Bill would ever have done that. But I was like, one day you know, he was older than me. If I'm ever on my own, I don't mind staying in a hostel. And I've done it many times. I met some really cool people. 
You just said a few things that I'd love to just reflect on and, and specifically ask you for advice for listeners that are listening, because it sounds like this is just sort of ingrained mindset stuff. You talked about thinking that travel, this kind of travel is only for people that are retired. You talked about sort of being anchored to a physical place. You talked about thinking that um, travel is expensive. And it sounds like you've kind of created a new mindset around that. And I'm just curious, like reflecting back for, for listeners, like what advice do you have for people to help them sort of make that mind shift? Well, yeah, that's a really astute point. And as I'm getting older, the more often I'm finding I'm wrong about things. Mm -hmm. And you have all these preconceived notions. Who put them in your head? Who knows? They're just in there. So maybe stop and think about these blinders that we're putting up ourselves. I, why was travel expensive? I have no idea. I never paid for travel before because my parents always paid for it. How would I know what it cost? I just always assumed travel is expensive. And I never thought to go on a trip by myself. Just that was something you did when you retired. How I got my brain, who knows? But it got in there. And so I was saving for it, a, a tidy little bucket for it. I started in my mid-30s, figuring I had 30 years to save up for travel. How do we identify those preconceptions and then and then work to undo them and, and really go after the things that we're really feeling in our hearts? Well, maybe when you see when you start saying the reasons you can't do something, maybe that's when you stop and listen to so what is that reason can't? And then maybe ask yourself, is that even a, a true objection? Mm. Is it true? I mean, travel's expensive. No, it's not. I spent five months in the Balkans. It was hard pressed to spend 50 bucks a day. And I did everything I wanted, ate whatever I wanted, stayed in lovely Airbnbs. The U.S. is expensive. A lot of Western Europe is expensive, but most of the world is dirt cheap. And it's safer than the world thinks. That's another misconception people have. The world's a very safe place. And locals will bend over backwards to help you. I mean, use common sense and be a little more careful in the touristy areas. But once you're away from the touristy areas, a local will take your back, have your back, not to worry. That is definitely a preconceived notion. I've heard yep. other guests on this podcast say something similar. And I think that until you go experience it, like there's that worry, like it's not safe. And then you go do it and you're like, oh. I remember a podcast I listened to. I'm afraid I can't give credit because I don't remember where it was, where this gal was going to bike across America and she was worried. She was of color. She was worried about prejudice in the mid in the Midwest. She was worried about, you know, crime and all that kind of thing. And she'd get to a town and they'd say, oh, honey, our town's fine. It's the next town you have to worry about. She'd get to that town. Our town's fine. It's the next town you have to worry about. And she heard this across the whole United States, never had one bit of problem with either discrimination or crime and said, I came away understanding what lovely people Americans are. And I would say that's the same thing worldwide. I, yeah. I can't count how many times the locals have had my back and just taken what could have been a disaster and held my hand and helped me fix it. So awesome. Kit, you and I, um, obviously kindred spirits, we love adventure. What We also seem to have both of us this sort of urge or desire to share these experiences with other people. And I'm curious, I'm asking like, what is it? What, what is it about this world of adventure travel that you and I so want to share with other people? What is, what is it that fuels that desire to share? I think for me, it's because it's, it's become my passion and I don't have children. 
in some small way, is this maybe a little legacy that I can do some good and pass on somewhere? My podcast, I'll be out there for as long as somebody's paying Libsyn for it, you know, <laughs> it's paying the monthly fee, they're out there. And so I feel like I'm doing good. It's my little way of giving back, even though I get a lot from doing the podcast myself, I, I feel it's my way to give back. What you said you get a lot from the podcast. Can you talk about that? I, like I said, I've, I've met people. I have friends from all over the world now. I have had experiences I didn't even know existed six years ago when I started this. I, I just, I have a fuller life because of my podcast in yeah. so many different ways. Well, I know that you've gotten a lot of feedback from your listeners. I know that you hear from listeners saying like, I would never have taken this trip if I hadn't listened to your podcast. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about some of those experiences and some of the feedback that you've gotten. Yeah, Scott, I think it's because people realize I'm normal. I'm just like them. There's there's nothing special. They'll hear when I do my own show, they'll hear when I do something wrong. And, you know, and I managed to be fine, even if something went wrong or I did something silly or whatever. And so they are able to put themselves in my shoes and feel like, mm -hmm. well, if she can do it. In fact, that's uh, this gal Sally wrote me today or this week. She has just completed Machu Picchu. She had written me this summer that because of my podcast, she was just searching for New Zealand and my podcast had shown up. She listened to it and she was just planning on touring New Zealand like a regular tourist. And she said to her husband, I want you to listen to this. This gal's our age and listen to the stuff that she did. Because again, that's an epic trip that New Zealand, just one fun thing after another. And she said, you know, if she could do it, maybe we can do it. Even though she and her husband were very they were athletes. She was a ballerina and he was a, I forget what kind of athlete. And so they were, their bodies were injured and she was worried she's going to be in a wheelchair one day. And she just started training to do Machu Picchu. I said, they got Machu Picchu in the brain and she just finished that. And so I just got an email from her this week that because of my podcast, they have changed their life. They are now hiking. They live in the San Francisco area. They'd never explored the nature of it. They were always doing the cultural things, but now they have just in the training, they've learned how to hike. They've learned how to kayak. They're doing these things they never envisioned doing. And so when I get letters like that, on the days I feel like, why am I wasting my retirement? You know, on the, everybody's got the bad days. I'll get a letter like that. It's like, shoot, what am I going to produce next week? You know, because it's just so fulfilling. What does that, what does that feel like for you to know, especially knowing that, you know, six years ago, was when you first kind of started getting into the adventure travel piece. So it hasn't even been that long of a space in your lifetime, yet you're impacting all of these people. What does that feel like? It kind of blows me away a little bit because like I said, to me, I'm just Kit Parks and you know, who am I? What do I, but I have a story to, to share and I have, I love sharing other stories in hopes that people can also have, a. you know, I, I say my byline is I seek to empower and inspire people to lead a bigger life through adventure travel. And I think adventure travel does give you a bigger life. And that's what I want to do. And that's what I, my listeners want to do. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, one of the questions I like to wrap up with is about advice that you have for people. And so for you, I, I want to know what advice you have for people that are inspired by your enthusiasm for adventure travel and they want to experience it for themselves. But before you answer, I want to encourage people to find out the real details by listening to your podcast, because that's where they're going to get the true advice, right? But if you had to break it down into a 30 second clip, what advice would you have for people 
that are inspired by this person that discovered adventure travel at age 50 and has now had this epic list of experiences? I would say, while you certainly can do as this gal Cindy I interviewed for Kilimanjaro, she went from being an obese couch potato to summiting Kilimanjaro like seven months later. That's a big leap. I would say do the baby steps, whatever is your current normal, just do whatever the next thing is. If you've never traveled out of the, out of the state, maybe you go to uh, the next state over. If you've traveled in the United States, maybe try going to a Western European country that speaks English. If you're comfortable in Europe, maybe you go to Eastern Europe where they don't speak English. And sometimes it's in Cyrillic alphabet and you may not be able to read the things. I mean, there's all sorts of little hacks that you can do to get around. For adventures, if you're a walker, try doing a walking holiday. You've got particularly the self-guided ones. You've got the itinerary set up for you. You push the buy button. They arrange your lodging. They move your luggage. They tell you where to go every day. And then you just do it at your own pace or go with a guided tour and then maybe do the self-guided. Whatever it is, that's the next step. So you plus want it. You just push yourself a little bit outside your comfort zone. And then before you know it, if you just keep doing it, or, or I also like to liken it to like kicking the soccer ball a little bit towards the goal. Every time you do it, just push it a little bit further, 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 further. And eventually you're going to get the goal that translates in all life. But I think it, it, for me with the adventures, I get bolder. And now I, I wouldn't say I'm fearless, but I'm pretty darn close to, you know, not something I'm going to die from. Yeah, sign me up. I want to try it. You know, <laughs> uh, I love that. So Kit, you exude this energy that you consider yourself an ordinary person and that's how you inspire people, but you are doing extraordinary things. And anybody can, anybody can. That's the message. <laughs> but I think that at some point, Hollywood's going to pick up on your story. And when they do, I want to know who's going to be the actress that's going to play you in the movie that they make about your life. I think it would be a hoot if Sandra Bullock played. Me. Yeah. She's awesome. corny and fun. <laughs> I wouldn't that's, mind looking like her. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, just superimpose me on that. But no, that would be a hooch because she's as klutzy as I am and right up my alley. Sandra Bullock. And what's your movie going to be called? It's going to be called At a Girl, but only with one T. ATA, oh, Active Travel Adventures. Active Travel Adventures, ATA, At a Girl, starring a girl. Sandra Bullock. I love this. Kit, if people want to find out more about you or they want to hear your podcast, what's the best way for them to do that? Any podcast app, Active Travel Adventures, the website, activetraveladventures.com, has a corresponding web page for each adventure that has full details. Uh, sign up for my monthly newsletter where you get access to all the travel planners so that you can plan your own trip very easily. Um, and I don't spam you. It's just once a month. I don't sell your names and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, always you can email me at kit at activetraveladventures.com. And I'm happy to answer any questions and do so all the time. It's great. Great podcast. And your website, Active Travel Adventures, is also full of all kinds of resources and checklists and all kinds of great stuff. So can I make one point too that about that? So I spent a lot of time last year putting in a very good search. So let's say you don't know, you're, you're intrigued, you want to do this adventure stuff. You can go to activetraveladventures.com, type in the continent. So you can kind of narrow it that way. You can type in the month that you're able to travel. You can type in the activity, all that. And it helps sort those through so that you can look at a, a picture that'll link you to the webpage for all the different adventures to kind of narrow it down. Cause we've done over 150 at the time of this recording and growing all the time. 
It's great, Kit. I love the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. And thank you for spending some time with me today. And for those listening, I hope you've been inspired today as much as I have. I hope Kit's story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or just need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. We'd also appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving a review and sharing or tagging Inspire Campfire in your social media. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Kit, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Scott. Really enjoyed it.